Welcome to the Your Company Health Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Wright, founder and CEO of the Wright Consult Digital Marketing Agency, and also the creator of the Patient Buzz Program. The goal of this podcast is to highlight healthcare professionals, their journey, and how they're making the world a better place. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Your Company Health Podcast. My name is Andre Wright, and today we have a a very important guest. We're speaking with Jenna Quinn, a clinical pharmacist and now the owner of Perfecting Pets. Hey, Jenna, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to chat. It's a pleasure that you joined us today, and uh, I know you're going to give our audience some great nuggets and some value today, and that's why we brought you on. To get things going, tell us who you are who you work with, and what do you do for your clients? Yeah, so my name's Jenna Quinn, as you said. I am the owner of Perfecting Peds, which, so now I work for myself, which sounds really weird after uh, 11, 12 years of working in the hospital setting. So I am a pharmacist, but throughout pharmacy school, and then I did a residency after school, and then did a further further board certification in pediatrics. So the past 12 years, I've worked in local hospitals in the area and focused in pediatrics. So I've always been in either a NICU, a neonatal ICU, a uh, pediatric ICU, or a pediatric ER. So I've always been in that setting. And just by second nature of always being in a setting where there's kids and specifically in the NICU where there's neonatal premature babies, I was always also the go-to for maternal health. So a lot of people would always ask, you know, is it okay if mom takes this while pregnant? Is it okay if mom breastfeeds on this medication? So perfecting peds is not only for the pediatric population, but it's also for the high-risk maternal health patients trying to make sure the meds that they are on are safe for both mom and baby and that mom is still getting the best care as far as their medication regimen. So we talk a lot about mental health. So I work with a lot of mental health, maternal patients as well, uh, maternal fetal medicine patients. So a little bit of both encompasses, but I, over working 12 years in these various areas, I always noticed when we had admissions with specifically medically complex pediatric patients. So pediatric patients who are greater than two chronic disease states or they were on greater than five medications, there was always room for med optimization. So we know from the statistics in the geriatric and the older population that once you kind of hit those numbers, that's when there's a very high chance, high probability of you having a medication error or a med adverse event or a medication being dosed incorrectly or just honestly medications not being on that aren't needed, right? The new buzzword is called deprescribing. So what I noticed is that regardless if it was if it was like home care or pediatrics actually of nursing homes, which is the sad truth, they have kids that live in in facilities. If they're um, high medical needs like a trach or a vent, or if they have jute tubes, so I would notice that. These medically complex kids would get admitted, and there was always room for med management and med optimization. After doing a lot of digging, I realized <laughs> that there was no pediatric trained pharmacist that was looking at their medications. 
So it was the various subspecialists and the primary care doc, but then they would go to various pharmacies to get their medications filled, specifically these kids, because they'd have their compounded meds that require basically to manipulate medications. You have to make them into compounds for these kids because they can't swallow tablets. So they'd be going to multiple pharmacies, multiple doctors, and nobody really had the entire picture of this child as far as nobody really had their whole med list to really assess them. So my business was birthed on the fact that to date in the United States, there is no pediatric consultant services that focuses solely on medically complex kids and getting their medications right. Not to cut you, but but your service is really unique. It's like a niche. You know, so you're like, you're a pioneer in, in what you're offering now, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't found anybody else that's doing it, to be honest. And then I was blessed to have in New Jersey, I had five various facilities kind of give me a, a chance, you know, because it's like, they've never done this before. They've never worked with a pediatric trained pharmacist. And so it's been nice because for the past six months, I've been working with these various facilities and there is overwhelming amount of med optimization that's needed, which is good, right? Proof of concept that we are needed. So I hope that from, I'm publishing a paper this month that's on our method. So it's going to show what did we do when we went in? And then I'm going to publish a subsequent paper with all of our pharmacists call them interventions, which is basically what did we find? How much did we save as far as cost savings and how much med errors were we able to avoid having a pediatric trained pharmacist on board. So I'm really excited. I'll have like all my data collected by December. And then I'm hoping January, February, I'll get to publish everything. And then the hardest part was trying to find enough patients. So I had like roughly like 400 now to kind of show our utility as pediatric pharmacists and our unique training. And To date, we're really only in academia and hospital, but we're so needed in the community. So I was really, really determined to show that these kids, although medically complex kids only make up 1% of the population, they make up 30% Mm. of the medication use, which is crazy, right? So in that PEDS population, it's only 1% of them, but 30% of the meds use are these 1% of children. And they're so sweet. They give me passion and purpose every day. Talking about passion, and that's going to be rolling right into my next question. I know you're a pharmacist by heart, right? Clinical pharmacist by heart. What are you passionate about in life? If you could sum that up. Yeah, (laughs) family, really. So I have three little girls. They're five, three, and six months. Mm. God bless my husband. And they really are my passion. And then as a mom... Practicing over the 12 years, my practice changed, right? Because I started when I was single uh, without kids when I was a pediatric pharmacist. And I think, you know, I was so focused on just the ICU patients and getting those critically ill kids better. And I loved it. And and actually, quite frankly, I was able to kind of dissociate myself in a way. So it wasn't as like traumatic. And as I started having kids, there was a few things I found out that this is a really traumatic job, especially <laughs> seeing kids get hurt all the time because we were yeah. a major trauma center. And that as much as I loved 
what I was doing, that there was such a need to advocate and educate for parents and patients in the ambulatory outpatient care. Because almost every time I went to the pediatrician, like a great example is like just literally last week, I went to go pick up my scripts for my six month old. She had a double ear infection and they're like, we don't have any amoxicillin. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, you're going to have to come back in two days. And I'm like, I can't. By that time, she'll be so sick. She's six months with a double ear infection. And so I called the doctor myself to change the doses for him on the amoxicillin suspension so that she could get it that day. Because I asked the pharmacist, well, what other suspensions, concentrations do you have? And then I just thought like so many of those things have happened over the years of being a mom that I'm like, everybody needs their own pediatric clinical pharmacist. (laughs) So I have also, in addition to these facilities, I take on like patients on a subscription model where I shouldn't say I do because I have a team of pediatric trained pharmacists that work with me. And our goal is really to give those parents for those questions that are like, it's just over-the-counter drugs. What dose do I give? Or what's the best remedy over-the-counter for this? So a lot of times the retail pharmacist doesn't have the training in pediatrics to comfortably answer these questions. So our subscription-based model allows parents to pay a small amount every month and have us on call. And we'll answer questions like that, like, hey, Jen, the amoxicillin isn't at CVS. What do I do? Because that pharmacist at CVS is so busy, they're most likely not going to give you other avenues to try to get that medication that day. The second thing that I'm super passionate about is fetal maternal health, because I myself was on Effexor, which is an anti-anxiety med through all three of my pregnancies and all three breastfeeding. And I breastfed all my girls for five years going on six at this third. And so I'm really passionate about allowing mom to have a solid mental health while also being the best mom she can and breastfeeding if that's what she wants. And so using my own journey of numerous people telling me I can't take these meds while pregnant. And I, because of what I did, I knew I could. And I thought, what if I was a lay person that just listened I would stop my meds and I would start having panic attacks again, or my OCD would come back. So it's really through my own journey that I'm really passionate about helping people who maybe don't have that medical literacy and knowledge to get the best care that they can. Perfect. Yeah, that well said. And it's obvious that you're passionate about what you're doing. Jenna, what is the best business advice you've received and how did it impact you? If you can think of one. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, I think, honestly, over the years, action is better than perfection. Um, so you can be imperfect. I think through this entrepreneurial journey, I've learned it can kind of be translated over to, to parenting, too. I think sometimes I get so we all get so focused on like, oh, I can't. I can't make this post or I can't do this business or I can't like you, there's so much negative talk because you're worried it's not going to be perfect. But half the time you realize that I was so, I had this idea for so long and there was so, I was just like, well, what if it doesn't play out exactly how I want it to be? And so I think I learned that even if 
you don't know 100% what you're doing because I'm realizing you don't know in business, you don't know in parenthood, that taking those actions and doing little actions every day to build up to your dream or being, you know, the perfect parent is better than inaction and just not doing anything because it is scary when you're going outside of your comfort zone. And so I think getting outside of your comfort zone and just doing actions, no matter how scary they are, help you grow as a person, as a mom or dad, as a business woman or man. And so I think trying not to get hung up on always being a hundred percent perfect, especially with someone who is a perfectionist (laughs) is the best piece of advice I could give. And that quite frankly, my psychiatrist gave to me, she's like, you know, it doesn't have to be hundred percent perfect. No, and, and that's you know well said because me as a business owner, I mean, we all know that actions are they speak louder than words. And yeah. and when you do things little, you know, incremental movements every day, it may seem like you're not going anywhere, like you're stuck. Yeah. But yeah. over time, it makes a world of a difference. So that's definitely spot on. Uh, Jenna, tell us some of the mistakes you've seen your clients made or are making. As far as like rooms for med optimization? Right. Okay. Right. So I think a lot of times in the pediatric population, well, especially with the medically complex, I think the one thing that we aren't constantly looking at or constantly saying, is this medication needed? I think a lot of times it's very similar to like the geriatric population where they're we're almost treating one side effect of a med with another med. And then we add another med on because that has the side effect. And so I think the prescribing cascade can get you down this dark tunnel of like, before you know it, there's like five medications on that aren't mm. even needed because it's just the one medication that you first started that was causing the side effect. Yeah. So I think that is one, it's my residents at my um, hospital would always say, do you get paid to get medications taken off? And I'm like, absolutely not. I just like, as much as I'm a pharmacist and even in my own life, there's definitely need for medications, 120%. But as the minimal amount as possible to basically give us the minimal amount of adverse drug reactions. And I think a lot of times, like I said, treating an adverse reaction of a drug with another drug with another drug, instead of just changing that first drug Mm -hmm. is what I see a lot of clinicians do. And so I think being a pharmacist and knowing, Hey, you know what, that you're treating is actually from this drug. If we can just rotate this, you know, anti-epileptic to another anti-epileptic, we'd be fine. Then we could take off all these other drugs. So that's a big pain point in medically complex kids because they're so difficult as far as numerous med, the regimens or med regimens are difficult and they have so many uh, disease states that it's like you kind of get down this dark tunnel of just adding on meds and it's really not to their benefit. Yeah, and, and, and you- geriatric population. There you go. You're touching a very important point because, you know, mom may be listening and she's saying, well, you know, I don't want to give my kids meds here, meds here, because that can turn into an addiction. You know, how do you combat against that? Or what would you say to that mom? I think it can be done the right way. So there's actually interesting literature that shows, like, I think one of my big patient population that's near and dear to my heart, I have two. One is ADHD and autism because my brother had boring ADHD and ODD growing up and then epilepsy because my sister had epilepsy growing up. So I'm one of three. I was the oldest. And so seeing those 
like, you know, disease states, you know, every day, I think just naturally I fell in line with peds and then specifically those two I I really enjoy. And actually a lot of my patients are those disease states. But I think when we talk about ADHD, I have so many parents that are so resistant to medications. And actually interesting literature just came out that showed that if kids are treated effectively for their ADHD, which means the use of amphetamines, that they are actually significantly less likely to abuse drugs and alcohol and just substances later on in life. I think there's education that it's needed to stop the stigma of like, oh no, I don't want my kid to get, you know, Mm -hmm. to be on medications. I think if we have given the right knowledge that actually treating their ADHD and getting their um, symptoms under control actually helps them later in life, not abuse substances because they have, you know, they have all their symptoms under control. So I do think there is a decent amount of literature now to show that like early initiation of opioids can potentially lead to addiction later in life. So I'm very restrictive on them. Like, you know, of course, if somebody has a super painful procedure, you can use them, but use them for the shortest duration of time. So, you know, you really just have to constantly reassess their pain. And once you anticipate for a typical surgery, you're going to be in pain for, you know, two or three days, then you take those opioids away. So, Really, there's just the shortest duration of time possible, but sometimes they're needed, right? So uh, Mm -hmm. we have other things like um, heart rate and blood pressure that tell us if that patient's in pain too. So with pediatric patients, we use those as more objective findings to help us also assess the pain as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well said. And Jenna, I can't believe we're running down to the end already. We could talk all day, but I want you to paint a picture of your perfect client and outcome for us. Yeah. So I think what I'm finding is that in the long-term care community, there's so much room for pediatric pharmacist interventions. And these are the kids that are the most complex. So in my dream, we kind of have two models where we do we'd be able to touch as many kids and get out there and have as many um, contracts with these long-term care facilities to really help these, probably the sickest of these pediatric patients, but then also to embed us into some various AmCare settings, which I'm working on right now, to be an on-call for those high-risk patients that are in the community, because they are there are some in the community, of course, that we're missing. A lot of them are in home care, so they have nurses come to their house. Those are obviously the high risk. So that greater than two disease, chronic disease states are greater than five meds. I would love to really capture as many of those patients as possible because I really know that we're needed. That's where we're needed. And then also through my own journey of being a mom, being a high-risk OB patient, that I think I would love to have us on call for providers that have questions that can't be answered by pharmacists, like in the retail setting and for parents who really can't are struggling to find an answer or, you know, have a question about a med that they can't get a hold of anybody. So I have a business line I'm building up. I, I have five pharmacists now, two technicians and a wonderful intern. And so just to continue to grow that so we can be accessible to as many patience as possible is my dream. 
Awesome. Awesome. Where are you located now? So I'm in New Jersey. I'm also licensed in PA in Delaware. And the cool thing about being this journey is that I've, I'm finding pediatric pharmacists all over the state. So hopefully connecting with them and we have some cool opportunities in various states coming up that we can grow outside of the tri-state area because talking to pharmacists all over the United States, this is not a service that is provided to date. It's great, great. And uh, I'm just impressed by, you know, what you're doing and uh, pediatric, your program, your company, Perfecting Peds. Uh, I think it's a niche that can just explode in growth. So it's a great thing that you're doing. How can people find you? They can find me a couple ways. I'm very active on LinkedIn. It's Jenna, J-E-1-N-A. My parents had to be unique. So it's just one N and then Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N. So I'm on LinkedIn. We also have a Perfecting Peds website, which is just www.perfectingpeds.com. We also are on all social media, so Facebook, LinkedIn, as well as Instagram, just under Perfecting Peds. Um, try to post various things, common questions, common medication questions that I occur either in my life or that I get asked a lot. And so just try to help parents get accurate medication information on those pages. And that's great. That's great. And I know our audience, you know, based on what the discussion, they're definitely going to, you know, get in contact with you because you, you know, what you're doing, as I mentioned, is special. So Jenna, thank you so much again for uh, jumping on the podcast today. And any final words? No, just thank you so much, genuinely. And hopefully we get to help as many kids as possible and moms. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jenna, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you found this information useful. So please go to our website, andreewright.com slash podcast for more. And also like us on and share this episode on social media. We'd love for you to leave us a review on, on wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, see you then.